Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet where two people are honest and brave enough to talk about things like science fiction, fantasy, Game of Thrones, laser swords, dragons, all such things as this. I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinnerIsComing.net, and I am here with the one and only Mia Johnson. And Mia, I have an important question for you. Yes. How are you? Oh my goodness. Such an important question to ask these days, isn't it? <laughs> it's I... great. I'm pretty good. I had to call out sick yesterday. I needed a lot of rest, but I am well rested and I'm back and I'm fighting stronger than ever. Oh, I was sick yesterday too, the weekend. I'm pretty, it might've been the COVID. I'm not really sure. Oh no. <laughs> was it for you? No, I, I just need a lot of rest. I think I was stressing my body out. So like by the time that I woke up in the morning yesterday, my body was like, this thing going to happen. <laughs> I was like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Some days you wake up, it's like, no, it's not, it's not happening today. Yeah. Sorry about it. <laughs> oh no. I've, I straight up had the COVID like during the start of this whole thing and I haven't had it for a while. And then I kind of like recurred over the weekend, but it was way shorter this time. Mm. So I think that's my body adapting to the COVID. Oh and um, purging it out. You're going to be a warrior next time. <laughs> oh, no, next, next time, I'm going to notice. <laughs> next time, it's going to get in there. It's going to be like, this old thing? It's going to check it out. Anyway, thanks, everybody who's watching. Hey, Julie, seeing you there. And uh, thanks for coming here today. We have some exciting and elucidating, if I might go be Ooh. so bold, topics to discuss. And I think we should start with um, a more somber note. Uh, this past Thursday... Diana Rigg, Dame Diana Rigg, who played Olena Tyrell on Game of Thrones, um, passed away at the age of 82 after a months-long battle with cancer. And, you know, this being a Game of Thrones podcast at its heart, kind of, that's how we started, I feel like we, we, we had to do a little bit of honoring her before yeah. we did anything else. And she's someone really worth honoring. Do you know much about her, like, outside of Game of Thrones, Mia, or just in, in, in general? I really did not. I was looking up, you know, some of her, you know, past acting roles. And I was like, wow, she's been in a lot of stuff, you know, things I just honestly did not know until now. Oh, yeah. She has been around for a long time and she's done some impressive stuff. Like, obviously, folk know her from Game of Thrones as Elena Tyrell, who, by the way, mm -hmm. was really was a character you look back on it, like didn't really have any bum notes. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. From start to finish, like she kind of stole every scene she was in. Yeah. She, they gave her all the best lines. <laughs> like she yeah. was the queen of sass. That death scene is 
probably one of the best death scenes on a show famous for death scenes, you know? But she had a lot of roles beside that. Like, she began, like, her first kind of big breakout was playing Emma Peel in The Avengers, like a 1960s TV show, not the current Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> where she was, like, a super spy. Um, and again, like, kind of very like Game of Thrones in that it was, you know, it was popular, it was big, it was watched. But she, kind of consistent with how she is later, like, didn't really watch it herself. She was oh, very really? kind of, <laughs> I go to work, I do my job, and I'm good at it, and that's kind of where it ends for me kind of person. <laughs> um but as you can see, she was gorgeous. Like, looks a lot like Natalie Dormer, frankly, who oh, played her granddaughter, yeah. I think. So I'm like, that's pretty smart that's casting. Perfect casting. She also, oh like, remember, this is the 60s. Mm-hmm. And she, at this time, noticed, like, oh, I'm paid not even close to why male co-stars are paid. I'm paid less than the camera people. And she, like, had a, she, like, kind of went to war. Not, not went to war, but she pushed to get more money, got more money, which is a problem even today among, like, actors and actresses. But, yeah. like, to be doing it in the 60s, to be pushing for that is, is very, very progressive for her and very cool. So. And, um, yeah, she never stopped being awesome like that. Julie Davies <laughs> says, sadly, such a talented lady. Christine, her be- her destiny was one of the best ever. Agree on all these points. Christine, rest in peace to Anna Ray. Um, she also played Tracy Bond, I believe the only girl to actually marry James Bond in 1969's <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service with, oh, who is the James Bond? I don't remember. It was Timothy Dalton, maybe? So on I don't her know, whatever. Majesty's Secret Service. Da, da, da. Anybody know out there? George <laughs> Lazenby? George Lazenby. One of the in-between wow, ones. through like, the cracks, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, not... Uh, what? Cool. Oh, we've got a comparison of Natalie Dormer. Dormer. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, totally they look alike, honestly. Twins, days, yeah. Two absolutely generations good casting. <laughs> but yeah, important role for that. And I mean, you know, she did like stage stuff, of course, all her life. And she was on and off in TV. She was in Doctor Who. She was in a ton of stuff. Yeah. But it was really cool to get this like later in life kind of um, like fourth or fifth win by that point to her career <laughs> when she played Olena Tyrell, who was a favorite like from the jump, right? Like, Oh, yeah. What did you think? Like, what what did you think of her performance as Olena yeah, Tyrell? Yeah, you know. Thrones? For there was some reason I always liked the scenes with her. Um, she was always the one kind of like walking, you know, people through the garden and all that stuff. Too. I remember that yes, was just like a big Game that. of Thrones thing. Totally. I, I just, I remember her character just being so sassy. I think that's what I loved about it. Even, even if there were some like little dirty things going on and, you know, she was playing and manipulating this and that. I was like, oh, but I still love her. I can't hate her. I just, you know, I loved everything about her character. And um, yeah, it was sad to see even when she wasn't on the show anymore. I was like, no, it really broke my heart. You missed a little something when she wasn't giving her rejoinders. And like every character she interacted with, she was like on a level with them. Like she had a scene Mm -hmm. with Daenerys in the seventh season that just like, it seemed like they'd been working together forever. She was very comfortable with it. And um, that death scene, man, it really was one of the better kind of latter season scenes. I thought yeah. Like the, the the later season kind of had okay. Remind, being, re, re, refresh my memory. Was she poisoned or did something else happen? She was poisoned. Okay, so the bit is, Jamie Lannister and Lannister army kind of defeat her army and they sack Highgarden where the Ty- Tyrells live. And she knows she's done for. It's like okay, right. it's over. I've been defeated. 
and Jamie kind of offers her some poison, like, right. look, like, Cersei wants to drag it to the streets. This is going to be easier. And she, like, she downs that thing. She's like, all right, I got it. All glug, 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 glug. And then, in her dying moments, she reveals that she was the one who killed his son, Joffrey. His awful, oh awful son. Yes. And then it's too late for him to do anything about <laughs> it because he just, she just gobbled down the poison. So it, it's like, oh. it's the rare death scene where, like, did she just win her death scene? Like, it yeah, was so Yeah, it's back. Good. We get the replay right now. We <laughs> see a little bit of what had happened there. I Don't totally not. forgot that was what would have happened. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, Remember? excellent, excellent memories. Yeah, <laughs> just a really cracking way to go out. Um, and yeah, uh, as Christian says, she lets him know what she killed Joffrey, and she wants yeah, Cersei to know her final words. Tell Cersei it was me. Just good, 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 good stuff. Yeah. Elliot's playing right now. There it is. So yeah, um, terrific actress, like long life, um, great career, a lot of accomplishments. Yeah. People have been, you know, paying tribute. We have obviously her Game of Thrones co-stars. But not just Game of Thrones. Like, Samuel L. Jackson had a great tribute. She was yeah, like, so oh, I loved you on Game of Thrones. I loved you in the <laughs> Avengers. This is great. Which is kind of funny because it was like one Avenger to another. Get it? You know, yeah. Kind of thing. A little. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely sad to see her go. And, uh, hi, Heike. Good to see you. Um, we yeah, are definitely. a little poor. Yeah. Hmm? For oh, having lost her. But, I mean, she has oh, a yeah. lot of great work. You can always go back and look yeah. up. Long, long, long line of work, great full life, so can't beat that. So, bon voyage, uh, Dame Diana Rigg. All right. I'll pause at this point to say that if you're interested, everybody, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever podcasts are available. Um, yeah, if you want to hear us on your commute or during your jog or anything, such things as that. All right, Mia. So we've memorialized Diana Rigg. May she rest in peace. May she rest in sassiness or whatever you would say about someone that epic. Um, some other things did happen this week. I think we have to talk about, uh, as Julie says, 82 isn't that old, Dan. I, uh, I mean, you can get older. Absolutely. 82 yes. years young. <laughs> 82 years young. Yes, she was 82 years young. Oh, we shouldn't go too far afield, should we? I feel like... Okay, yeah, I'll send it there. You're right, it's not that old. All right. Um, I feel like we have to talk about... <laughs> just getting up there, but not old. Okay, I can agree with that. I mean, with modern technology these days, you can live to very, very old ages. That's you know, true. They think the first person who will live to 150 has already been born. And I think it's me. But we're going to figure out <laughs> what, what happens. Um... Anyway, I think we have to talk about the new trailer for The Mandalorian. They released mm -hmm. it, I think, yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. So, the first Star Wars series, live-action series ever, coming to Disney+. Plus. I've talked before plenty of times about how much I love the first season. I really did. Yeah. And they released a trailer. I'm excited about it. Why don't we have a watch and see if any feelings or thoughts arise? Only the one whose safety deemed such destruction. 
must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. I don't mind um, being honest and saying this is the thing that I am most looking forward to for the rest of the year, probably since the beginning <laughs> of the year. Mia, how are you feeling? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I will preface this by saying WandaVision was trending today because Disney was, Plus yeah. um, just sent out like another mini trailer, like here's what's coming in 2020 and they included WandaVision. So I'm like, oh, I've got, you know, I, I, I'm putting my way towards WandaVision, but I I don't think it cancels out the fact that I'm still like super excited for the Mandalorian season. And Mandalorian's already proven. WandaVision could oh, yeah. blow. I mean, probably yeah. won't, but in theory. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, there were a lot of things going on in this trailer. I'm trying to pull up my notes because there was a lot. I mean, uh, what I've been afraid of is that I liked the first season so much because I said it before, but because of kind of how um, how simple the storytelling was, yeah. how there was about one guy, the Mandalorian, who always gets his helmet on, Pedro Pascal, Game of Thrones veteran Pedro Pascal, who played Oberyn <laughs> Martell, protecting Baby Yoda, the adorable puppet slash CGI creation, who follows him in a little floating pram and how <laughs> they really didn't stray from that very much. And they kept a, just a very straight through line of every episode. They go to a different location. The effects are wonderful. The story mm -hmm. is direct and just very exciting to watch. And I was really, um, the trailer so far looks like it's keeping with that yeah. sense. Now, like, we've heard so many rumors about, like, well, they're bringing in this character and that character. We're going to connect to, like, um, these other Jedi types yeah. from other parts of the universe. And they do mention the Jedi in that trailer, which does freak me out a little bit because uh -oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid that too much sprawl will um, kind of take away what makes it so different, which is that it's so yeah. very focused on just this one guy and his attempt to protect this one space baby. Um, but the trailer makes it look like it's more of what I loved. So I'm happy about that. That's true. Yeah. The, especially about the Jedi part. It's like, yeah, we, he, the whole thing is now he's trying to figure out like what baby Yoda is like what he doesn't even know. It's a Yoda, you know, in the first I mean, place. Yeah, we're all so, <laughs> so yeah, he's like, okay, well now I know that. Do they even have a name that race of people? Not, I don't think they've technically named it yet. Um, what do you call a Yoda commenters? I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like to call it? Just a Yoda? 
But, um, you know, what's interesting, though, now that I'm thinking about is that technically, you know, the Jedi order are a bunch of different species, right? You've got the Yoda species, you've got humans and all these Ahsoka things. So it's, it's (laughs) interesting that they, they, they say he belongs to the Jedi, technically, even though, you know, with the whole species of Yoda or whatever it be, be Jedis, I'm wondering, you know, what's up with that or, yeah, I wasn't quite sure because like they said, like, I got to go find the Jedi to give him over yeah. to him. Like, do you? I'm, I'm sure they'll explain <laughs> it. Because, like, they're all very Force-sensitive type people, so they make natural Jedis. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be explained. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do bristle a little at even bringing the Jedi in at all. I'm like, <laughs> no, steer clear. Just find his home planet. Yeah. But, again, I love the first season, so I'm going to have faith um, when it premieres on October 30th. I know. Which is what's yeah, happening. they've also got um, that hooded character. People have been mm-hmm. talking about her a lot. Uh, it's WWE star Sasha Banks, and that was kind of—I guess—that was leaked ahead of time that people knew she would be in it, but they didn't yeah. necessarily who she would play. Some people think that it's a Clone Wars, the cartoon show character, yeah, character. Uh, Sabine Wren, and. I do see the connection because they say that she was a Mandalorian warrior. Uh, she fought for the rebellion. And the most specific thing about her is that she wielded the Darksaber, which was that thing we saw uh, Giancarlo Esposito, <laughs> right? That yeah. sword thingy. And so they're like, oh, what if there's that connection there? And again, it just it opens it up to the broader Star Wars world where... I'm just going to tread lightly with it. I think I'm, I'm excited to see these connect a little bit more, mostly because I am a Star Wars fan, but I can get like, if it just becomes too much to where it's not really an entry level sort of TV show anymore. I just don't get why you would make something really good that has such broad appeal and has such originality and then say, now, why don't we make it a Byzantine nerd maze for people to get lost in? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But, I mean, but I, I know that there's that pull there. I know that there are fans of, of really, like, anything mm-hmm. where, like, the lore is kind of the point. Right. But I think it, it, it will come out naturally if you just um, tell the story simply and just kind of let the background be the background. And, like, what you'll find is that nerdy fans like me, we're going to fill it in anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to really, like, bait us with any, like, deep, dense, dark stuff. But, again, and, of course, it's harder to disentangle all this from the Disney um, entertainment monopoly and the fact that – I'm sorry, we do. With keep in mind that yeah. everything they do, everything – really anybody does, but especially Disney um, – is designed to pull us deeper into a web where we will watch nothing but Disney shows. And so making connections between other stuff is an advantage for them because you get deeper into the complications and then um, you'll feel like more of an expert on it. And soon you'll have nothing but you you, you won't have time for anything but these things that you've built (laughs) up this expertise in. Is my conspiracy theory about it. Ooh. But again, yeah. if it were me, I'd keep it simple. And, you know, um, it, it looks great. Um, mm-hmm. I love the aliens. I love the effects. I love the, just, just, just again, like the simple character stuff. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's so elemental. Like, um, faceless warrior man wants to protect baby. Uh, it's so easy to that's understand. It, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, that unit of drama propelled so much 
of just like, no, the baby, save the baby. Yeah. Like, it, it, it took so little to get me invested in that first season. Oh, yeah. Anything that happened. And just like, I hope they don't add in too many like twists and turns and like, you know, save the, wait, why is he doing the thing he's doing? It's kind of like my problem with Lovecraft Country a little bit. Mm. One of them, what we've been talking about. Where it's like, like it, it, it's hard for me to super care about your quest when I don't really get what it is you're doing exactly. Yeah. Like, you want to get the book to translate the thing so you can cast the spell to do the what, like, you know, just saying right, baby yeah. is really simple. Yeah, yeah. Diluted plots, like, just because it's complex and, you know, you've got all these threads to unravel doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or that it's interesting you could you know honestly be throwing too much in there and I, yeah i get where you're saying that as far as lovecraft so i'm really hoping that you know john favreau is back and all the other directors and writers that he have kind of realize that what they have is good and that they should just oh, stick to it and not you know it's it's fine to experiment here and there but yeah just you know remember what makes it good and stick with it I hope they do. And we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to watch it on October 30th. Yeah. And it sounds like, Heike, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing your name right. I think I've asked you before, and I apologize again for saying I'm probably doing it wrong. But I um, agree. It's less can't wait for season two. And simple is sometimes better. I agree. Clearly, I just spent like eight minutes passionately ranting about it. Um, also in the news this week, Mia, let's see if you have anything else to say about The Mandalorian, Mia. I know you are a Star Wars um, buff. Oh, we've got... Andreas here said Disney Plus oh, in Norway came out on Tuesday. Wow. It's disappointed oh. that they only released the first two episodes of Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. that is weak. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely weak. But you, you, you can just VPN and watch all of them with Norwegian subtitles. And that is a little strange. Yeah, I, I have heard that, um, that Disney in some foreign territories, or rather outside the U.S., is releasing and... Even though the their shows have been out all this time, they're still gonna like uh, release new episodes yes, a week slow. at a time. Which I mean, used oh. to be a thing if like television shows aired in multiple territories back when it was just like straight over the top. Yeah, that's all you've um, got. Yeah, like, cable. But mm-hmm. I mean, we're not in that world anymore. Like we have yeah. everything out there. It seems a little backwards. And I'm all for, by the way, um, releasing one episode at a time. On a streaming service, like one per week. I think that builds, I think it builds conversation. I think it's nice. I prefer that to the Netflix dump it all at once method. Yeah. But also, like, once you've done it once, then I'm for just releasing it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, Disney Plus. Come on, Disney Plus. And next time you can do it all at the same time. Um, although I wonder if in uh, Norway they'll go straight into season two and just, like, do that one at a time. And Heike, I pronounced it correctly. All right, good for me. I'll try your last name sometime and we'll go down that um, pit of despair and see how well I do. All right. I'm sorry, Mia. Do you have anything else to say about Mandalorian before we move on? (laughs) I think that was it. (laughs) Excellent. Um, All right. Another thing I want to talk about was um, James Hibbard, who is an Entertainment Weekly journalist and was for years... Um, Entertainment Weekly's kind of like Westeros correspondent, they called him. He was the guy, he was their me. Like, he was yeah. <laughs> the guy who um, reported on all things Game of Thrones. He has an oral history book coming out called, it's the long title, so strap in. Um, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, Game of Thrones, and the Untold Story of the Epic Series. 
love to have on a book jacket, but whatever. It's an old <laughs> history of the show. Like, he was there on the set, like, during all eight seasons. Wow. He gave interviews. He saw stuff. And he has some... Uh, it's going to be a cool book because it's going to be like – it's going to have their conversation about like the very start of the show. He was there at the very end of it. He was there in the middle. So he'll have everything. And he put up an excerpt about um, a little-known bit of Game of Thrones history. Did you know, Mia, that they yeah. filmed a Game of Thrones pilot um, like, you know, years and years ago, 2010 or whatever, um, with a, mostly the same actors, and it was so bad – that they had to go reshoot the great majority of it. That original pilot has never been seen, probably never will be. Oh, no. There was an entirely different actress playing, like, Daenerys, like, before Camille <laughs> Clark came out, and Catelyn Stark. There were other things. Were you aware of this to start? Not, no, I was not aware of that until literally just now, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say this. If they put it on DVD, I would buy it like that Please. and watch yes. it. Like, just Release saying. the cut. <laughs> but just in case any Game of Thrones fans are out there watching, some interesting little tidbits from it. So Nikolai Costa-Waldo played Jamie Lannister, kind of recounting, remembering that nobody knew what they were doing, what the hell this was. It's a very fine line between being serious and believing it and just being cosplayers, which I guess he thought they were more <laughs> on that line when they were uh, doing it the first time. Lena Headey, I feel kind of robbed about to play Cersei, said, I looked like a Vegas showgirl in the original pilot. Furs and massive oh. hair, like a medieval Dolly Parton, which I would love to see. Beautiful. <laughs> that sounds great. Really? This is, this is another reason we need, we, we need this pilot um, on something. Apparently, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, who were the Game of Thrones showrunners, pitched the idea of cutting Rickon Stark, who, to be fair, was the youngest and least memorable Stark. You might not even remember him right now. Be, be, be honest. Do you remember him? Remember Rickon Stark? Not Literally not until you said so, and I'm like digging through my memories like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the one who was, uh, who uh, Ramsay Snow killed him when he was running across the Battle of the Bastards to like yeah. embrace John and he didn't get far enough. He, he was the least memorable one. But it's interesting that they proposed to cut him and George is like, no, I have big plans for him down the line. So they kept him, which I'm not entirely convinced of that, by the way. Um, <laughs> we'll see when and if the books come out. But pretty interesting. There was also a flashback to when Ned Stark's brother, Brandon Stark, was executed by Daenerys' father, the Mad King. And Sean Bean played Brandon in this flashback, and there exists still a little uh, snippet oh, of the scene, although the actual scene is gone. But that, for whatever reason, that shot remains. I don't quite know why, but it does. Pretty cool. Sean Bean like in Sean the Iron Bean Throne always. Room getting strangled <laughs> while Daenerys' dad laughs maniacally. Gosh, yeah. Would have been cool. Like, they had a very strict no-flashback policy on Game of Thrones, which I really like, by the way. I thought that more or less paid off for them over the years. Oh, wow. Think about it. Yeah, it's it's very, yeah, it's just straightforward. It's all... Yeah, there's like... I like yeah, it works. Yeah, you don't really need it. We found it. You don't need it. They can just say it, and I'm like, all right, I buy it. <laughs> like, once Bran was doing his, like, time-hoppy thing... They did some of it, but like it wasn't really a flashback, you know. It was more mm -hmm. like he's literally, I'm a mind person. And yeah. Can go back in time and stuff. But yeah, very cool that that exists. Uh, what other little tidbits do we got here? Oh, um, 
Jennifer Elhe, who some folk might remember as Elizabeth Bennett in the BBC Pride and Prejudice. My mom certainly does. She loves that thing. <laughs> uh, played Catelyn Stark, but she noped out after the pilot. She was like, I don't want to move to Northern Ireland. So sorry. Mm. So they found Michelle Feli to replace her. And Tasman Merchant, who I don't know particularly well, played Daenerys Targaryen in the pilot and ended up being replaced just because she wasn't a good fit, apparently. Like, oh, they were just no. saying, she did a good job, just she... Yeah. It wasn't really vibing, and, like, it, her, her scenes with Jason Momoa as Kyle Drogo just didn't really work. There was no chemistry or something. Chemistry. So they brought in Lady Clark, which clearly worked out. I mean, oh, yeah. I think uh, the last eight seasons proved that she was um, definitely... Yeah. Fit the role. Yeah. It's one of those things where you wonder just like what could have been. Even just for them, like knowing I got turned down for this role. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> this small little show they're trying to produce on HBO. Oh well, I'll move on. <laughs> Weird little fantasy thing. I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine. Yeah, that, that that'd be kind of curious to talk to her and be like, so were there any moments of the past decade where you were just like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Not that it was her fault. I mean, I think they yeah. just let her go. Well, the Catelyn Stark one for oh, sure. Yeah, though. Yeah. though, possibly. Yeah. So yeah, interesting stuff. Can you think of any other instances where there's like um, a time when I don't know, just like um, there's a big successful movie or show that has a legendarily bad startup, like like almost didn't happen because it's oh. like almost Game of Thrones came so close to not happening because of this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it seems like this isn't the only time that's happened. I know. I can't think of anything. And I really... The, the first thing... This is, family Guy is coming to mind for some hmm. reason. Even though Family Guy got a start, they were canceled like in 1999 or 2000, like after a short amount of time. That's true, yeah. And then DVD sales forced Fox to bring it back on air. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to mind, but that I'm sure works. there are other examples. <laughs> like fireflies kind of, well i guess it never really came back i got a movie Aww, like yeah. that was the era of um the internet where like fans could get on the internet and like just be loud and angry yeah and and force networks to bring shows back i'm still hoping for netflix or hbo max to pick up the venture brothers which was canceled recently and you know what maybe i'll just keep saying that on this show until it happens because you um do it. damn it i have the tiny the little tiny platform and i will try and use it for what you can do <laughs> Say the bunch of brothers. Okay. And as Julie says, yes, I would love to see the pilot. I miss GOT. I would love to see it too. I mean, I'm just saying HBO, look, you can make money off this. I would 100% pay like, you know, 20 bucks to get a DVD on there. I'm sure other yeah, fans would not? as well. Release it. Oh, like sell it like the Snyder Cut. Like you're going to mm-hmm. put it on HBO Max and like make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw an you. advertisement for HBO Max where they were like, we're slashing the price from $14.99 to $11.99. For, Are they really? I, that's what I saw. It was like a promotion. You could pay that for, for 12 months. And I looked at the comments on Instagram. They're like, added to Roku and Amazon Fire, you cowards. <laughs> so, Why did you cowards things start? <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> oh, no. At this point, I, I'm proclaiming it. It's over. No. It's 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 too <laughs> widespread. It's cliche now. I gotta come up with something else. Add Roku and Amazon Fire to it. You um gutter snipes. There we go. That's the Ooh. new one. Let's see if it catches right. on. Let's make it make fetch happen. <laughs> As Julie says, I wish they'd hurry up with House of the Dragon or give us the Blood Moon pilot. 
Blood Moon I would watch. They should like bundle Blood Moon and Game of Thrones pilot in one DVD. Mm-hmm. House of the Dragon, I'm fine with it coming out in 2022. I, I'd rather have it sooner, but it that's... I think that's the kind of thing where it's just, you can't just like, you, you're going to need to take some time on it to get it yeah. right. And of course, COVID doesn't help. Um, and hello, Terry. You want Lodge 49? Which, by the way, I know you've been recommending to me for a long time, and I do intend to watch it. Just give me some precious time. I know I am very slow at picking up new things, but I do. I do it eventually. All right, Mia, anything that you're watching right now, interested in, want to talk about? And yeah, anyone out know- there, what are you guys watching? What are you watching, reading? plane you know looking at out your window (laughs) i actually my brother um and i are watching the boys he wanted in totally separate places but he he he's like just go and watch and i was like fine i'm actually really i'm really loving it so far i'm two episodes in just started this week and it really, it, it, I was like, well, maybe, you know, I like superheroes. I was really like, but I don't want to see them demonized and like jerks and all these. But no, it is so good. It really is like, what if, you know, Disney as you know it today, because that's kind of like the, this corporation that's overseeing these heroes. <laughs> what if they were, you know, taking their superheroes and treating them like they were part of the Disney corporation, you know, or or trading them and selling them off like they're part of an NBA team or something. It is hilarious, like the things that they come up with in this. Uh, So I'm really invested in it. And I know they're rolling out season two. So I'm like, okay, I've got plenty to watch. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I I mean, pick that up and perhaps just put me over the edge because I I keep hearing good things about it. And it does seem like I would probably enjoy it. So I'm probably going to start watching it. As Julie says, Lovecraft Country. I will oh, say, yeah. I, I know I complained a little bit back then. This last episode was pretty, um, as the kids say, fire. Like, that was a good episode yeah. of Ruby waking up in basically a different body and all the body horror of her changing Oof. back to her form, which got more gross and gross <laughs> as it went on. And I, I thought it was like a really great way to marry like the social commentary of all the privileges mm-hmm. you get when you're in this new body with like some just sick ass special effects yeah. and some really gross, like gross scares. It was really, I didn't even know what to expect the first time I watched it. I was like, what is going on? He's like ripping this woman apart. And uh, I thought she was dead. Yeah. Or something. I was like, what is yeah, going to happen too. to her? <laughs> so that was really cool. And they had a lot of twists as well in this episode, which I won't say here because it's definitely worth watching. Good twist, yeah. Um, and even though at the end I was kind of surprised about the cliffhanger, so I'm trying, I'm, I I don't know, I don't have any more about the spells and all that stuff. So I haven't seen any more episodes as announced. I literally, yeah, review copies ran out. (laughs) We're on the dark now. Literally have no clue what happens next, but it's kind of fun to like now be in the the shoes of a fan because I'm basically hanging on, you know, every week. As Julie says, I liked it at the start, but they lost me last episode. Uh, too much ew factor, yeah. which is funny because that's kind of exactly like what got me going. Oh, this is awesome! <laughs> like, oh god, oh that last bit where she was with Ooh. the boss. I mean, that was brutal. Don't get me wrong, but I think if I couldn't look I were, away, if I no, if I weren't watching this to cover it, I think I would have turned it off. I I have a very low threshold for that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not a gore hound, but um, I I thought it was just a. The, the way they swing back and forth from different pendulums was exciting mm-hmm. me. I do think the mythology is kind of uh, sloppy on the show. Like, I, I just, 
they don't do a great job of like establishing the stakes. Like I don't know exactly what Tick and Letty are after precisely. And like again, it's just like compared to the Mandalorian, where it's like protect the baby, save the baby. It's so mm-hmm. easy. Or like, I don't know, like Fargo is a big bag of money. We're all looking for it. Like it's so easy. And yeah. just th- they're having a bit of like a uh, a a uh, uh, well, I don't know, like plot maze problem. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's a plot where you really do. I think you should not have to watch an episode two times just to understand it. I think if you want to watch an episode two times, it's so that, you know, maybe because it was just really good and there are moments you want to watch back to back, but not so that you can understand. I think the first time through, it should be clear. Yeah, And that's what I have been having a problem with, like watching these things the first time through. I honestly, it was so hard to follow the threads that they were setting up. And just to, to, to say what they are doing now, they, they are trying to like decipher these pages because Atticus wants to have the spells so that he can protect his family and everyone else versus anybody else like Christina having the pages and using it for their own destruction. So that's what I think is going on. I think you're right. And I think yeah, it's, it's a battle to 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 be the most powerful, basically. I also like uh, Montrose, Michael K. Williams. Um, yeah. I thought those things were really well done at the at the oh, yeah. gay ball scene in Chicago. Very oh, yeah. very powerful. Yeah. I yeah. um interesting show. I to plug Lovecraft Country Chronicles podcast course, yes. tomorrow, Thursday, we have an interview with the cinematographer for that episode. He broke that scene down. We were like, We love this scene, we were crying, all these things. And <laughs> he, he revealed uh, a couple of his magician's tricks to making that scene come to life. It was really awesome. <laughs> As uh, Heike says, she just rewatched Penny Dreadful. I haven't had much time for something new. Penny Dreadful, good show. Really good, rich, kind of baroque, kind of intense um, <laughs> drama show. And not too gross. You might like it, Mia. I can see you enjoying that. The first that. one? The first one. The second okay. one was... But the first one, very, very solid. Okay. The second one had its moments, but um, the yeah. first one was just... A, a like a gothic horror phantasmagoria. That's what I'll call it. And as Julie says, um, your type and finger is good. Very intense. Yes, intense is the right word. And finally, not supernatural at all, but I've been watching um, that Nixium documentary on HBO, The Vow, about the uh, the cult in Hollywood where the lady from Smallville um, signed up women to serve as the sex slave for the cult leader. And they How branded them with their initials. You haven't? It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it was like two years ago they found it out and they all went to jail for it, which is great. I'm glad that people were um, found out. The Vow, it's oh, called. Wow. Yeah, I see. I like that kind of stuff. I enjoy a good true crime documentary every once in a while. This one's a bit slow, um, mm. but very creepy. Like, cults have always fascinated me. Just like... Um, the notion of ordinary people deciding to kind of turn over their will to a charismatic individual who like, if you look at it from the outside, doesn't seem to, you don't seem to really get much out of this deal, Mm -hmm. but it's, but when you're in, it's like, it's so by degrees you get kind of roped in that you don't even notice that you've become like an autonomous pod person. Even though it's obvious to anyone else, like, looking in. <laughs> oh, no. 
Um, and it, it kind of yeah. traces that. So interesting stuff. And of course, then once you're in, they take the gloves off and the really freaky stuff starts happening. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, uh, the deep dark secret of this, the Nixium cult. Did you ever watch Smallville, that Superman show back in the day? No, a little bit before my time. Yeah, fair enough. I think it was like on TV when I was like in elementary school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants a true crime doc, it's, it's pretty interesting. If Julie loves Penny Dreadful. Yeah, I really liked it too. But not, not I didn't love the sequel. Uh, not a show, but watched Dark Water last night. So it's like a fantastic movie. I've never seen it, but I have heard it's really, really good. All right. Um, Mia, anyone in the comments? Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off for the week? I think that's it for me. All right. Well, everybody, Julie, Heike, um, <laughs> everyone else, Terry, who commented, thanks for watching. <laughs> thanks for commenting. Thanks for talking with us. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back next week. We're back every Wednesday, actually, at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Talk about all things sci-fi, fantasy, books, movies, television, swords, sorcery, lasers, dragons, um, space babies, horror, penny dreadful, people who take potions and then their skin falls off their face and falls into pools on the alley floor and it's just, oh my god, I can't believe I'm watching this, and so forth. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.